Amen. Well, am I on? Yeah, okay. Can you hear it? Amen. How's everybody doing? Boy, I really enjoyed the worship, weren't they? Wasn't the worship team great? Praise God. And I love the cheerleader over here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, she's just taking us right to the throne room. Amen. How many of you know, as Christians, we ought to be glad? God will make you glad. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, look at, let's go, go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I've got a word. You know, there's that which could be said. There's that which probably should be said. But there is that which God says right now. Amen. And we want a word that God says right now. Now, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. He's the one giving the word. Praise God. You know, how many of you know there, there are no, uh, there's no superstars in the kingdom. It's just Jesus. Amen. We're all servants of God. Amen. And I've, I feel like I've got a word for you guys tonight. And um, praise God, it's, it's exciting. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Actually, let's go from verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and sh shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. Turn also to Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Let me say that again. And they loved not their lives unto death. Heavenly Father, I pray for America. I pray that you would give us, as Americans, spiritual backbone, biblical courage, and supernatural grace to make a stand for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, Lord, as we see the time of your coming drawing, drawing near, we set our hearts to share Jesus with everyone around us, and we seek revival and spiritual awakening awakening no matter what the cost give us this day in the end times our end times urgency and strength to be glory to be a glorified church even even when things get tough and so lord help us to seek first your kingdom with all of our hearts in jesus name and everyone said Amen. the title of my sermon tonight that god gave me for you all is persecution the seed for revival. Let me say that again. Persecution. The seed for revival. Let's watch this video. We had Ladon in our church in, in February, and she spoke to our Bible students. And it was a privilege and an honor to have her in our church. God permitted me to go to, 
to, a, to Turkey last, uh, last, it was October, it was right. Last October, I got a chance to go to Turkey and I met over a thousand people just like her. We were in six cities of Turkey. You have to understand, Turkey, it's against the law. Just like it is in Iran, it's against the law in an Islamic Republic to preach the Bible or to have a Bible. And so we were there as tourists, but really what we were doing was ministering in the house churches. And each and every one of those people had a story of how they came to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, when I met people like Ladon, I thought, God, I, and you know, I actually thought, am I even saved to be around people like that who have suffered? Now, what she doesn't tell you is for 25 days in, in solitary confinement, they beat her and they told her, all you have to do is renounce your faith in Jesus and we'll let, we will let you go. And all the hurt and all the pain will stop. But she refused. Amen. And so all over the world, not just in Iran, but in many parts of the world, this is the reality. Persecution, tribulation, martyrdom. The Old Testament prophets had it. Jesus had it. The disciples had it. The early church has it. And Christians around the world today have it. But persecution is not the end game. Persecution, persecution is only fuel for the fire. Persecution is the gasoline in the engine of revival. Let me say that again. Persecution is gasoline in the engine of revival. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Amen. And I'll try not to cry anymore. I think I'm over it now. Praise God. All right, we're good, Lord. Thank you. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and we have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall re receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with what? With persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Peter said, Lord, we left all. What do we get? Here's what, here's what Jesus told them. You're going to get all kinds of great things, mothers and brothers and fathers and sisters and lands, but guess what? You're also going to get what? Persecution. In America, persecution is foreign. But per persecution may be coming to America. If persecution does come to America, we need to realize it's our time to stand. It's our time to stand and to spark revival. Amen? When persecution comes, then it separates the men from the boys, so to speak. Amen? And as the church in America stands, great revival will break out. Amen. You know, the blood of the martyrs sparked revival then, and the blood of the martyrs continues to spark the churches today. God gave me the privilege, as I said, to travel to Turkey to minister with these Iranians. And let me give you a few testimonies that we heard, I heard personally. 
The first one I want to talk about is the Iranian soldiers. Now, I heard this from one of the Iranians who spoke of another person that they knew of that this happened to. And they said, you know, Brother Bill, um, these two girls were running down the street with their backpacks in Tehran. And Iranian soldiers were chasing them. And they got cornered in an alley. And to make a long story short, they turned around and they were like, Lord Jesus, now what do we do? And these men with their weapons drawn, they basically looked at him and said, give us the book. You see, the New Testament in Farsi is known on the street as the book. And they weren't after the girls, they were after the Bibles. And they, they gave charge to the girls, don't tell anybody we have these books. And they, they left. And the girls left that place rejoicing. I have another one that's really, that was really sweet to me. This lady looked at me and she began to, creep, to, to cry and to weep. And she said, I came to Jesus and I want to tell you how. She sat right in front of me. And, I, you know, have you ever had the tea? You know, they, have, they serve this tea and it's so hot that your fingers, like, you have to, like, kind of rotate your fingers just to keep the, the glass from burning you. And I'm sitting there trying to keep my fingers, you know, from burning. And this lady begins to tell me about how she came to Jesus. She said, one, one day I was just um, probably around 6 o'clock. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden her, her children came in the room and said, Mommy, Mommy, there is a man who is light. And he's very, very kind. He's very nice. Come and see him. He's in our room. And she thought, a man is in our house? And she ran back there, and when she, when she, she turned the corner, she recognized, because, you know, the Muslims understand that Jesus, they, they call Jesus a prophet. So she recognized it was Jesus. She fell to her knees, and Jesus told her to stand up, and she, he, he told her, go to this street, take a left. Go to this other street, take a right. And if you go down, you will see a, an apartment building in front of you. Go to the third floor and knock on room 309. There you will find my book. Do it now. To the Muslims, when they see a vision, a supernatural vision, they are taught by the Muslim. The Islam teaches them to directly obey immediately. So she went right then and there. She went, she obeyed, she went to this place, she knocked on 309, she noticed that there was not many shoes outside. You see, the, um, the, the Muslims, what they do when they're in, the, when they're in, a, when they're in a home, that they will, they'll put the shoes outside the door. So you can always count the pairs of shoes and you can tell how many people are inside. Well, there's only a few pairs of shoes, she said, on the outside. She thought there wasn't many people, so she knocked on the door and there was a, there was a house church going on. And they let her in and she said, um, I've seen a vision of Jesus and he told me to come here. I, I, want, I want the book. Give me the book. So they gave her a copy of the New Testament in Farsi. She sat there. She told me she sat there for two hours and she read the whole New Testament all the way through. And she closed the book and she said, I believe this is true. Yes, this is true. And she received Jesus. Amen. Let me give you another example. There was a woman in Adana, which is right near Tarsus. And we went down there to Adana, and there was a person off the street. And, I, I, you know, we walked in, and there was a house church. Oh, oh by the way, if there, even if there's three or four pairs of shoes, there may be a hundred or more people inside, and all the shoes are, like, over near the bathroom. But they don't want people to know because it's illegal. You know, anyways, you understand what I'm saying. So this other one... Uh, this, this lady comes in, and we thought she was already born again, but she, we noticed she was very intently reading. And after about an hour, she closed the book, and she said, 
she began to cry and she said, this is true. And one of, the, um, one of, the, one of our interpreters said, she's not yet prayed for the, for the sinner's prayer yet. So he walks over and says to her, I'm going to lead her in the, in the sinner's prayer. He's, and he says to her, can I lead you in the sinner's prayer? And she says, oh no, I must go home and get my family. I will be back in a half an hour. I must go bring them so they also can hear and see Jesus. And we were sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, when the doorbell rings, everyone's like, shh, shh, shh. Everything gets really quiet. And then they open the door, and if somebody, if, if it's a Christian, obviously they recognize them. They're all happy and excited and everything, but they can't get too excited because it's secret. But this woman came back with her whole family, and they were saved. Praise God. There was another woman that we met who wrote the entire Gospel of John on like a little notebook pad. And she would write the Gospel of John, and God told her, start writing the entire Gospel of John in Farsi. And, and make it small enough so that you can fit it on one of those little notepads that has like 100 sheets or whatever. So she write, she'd write the whole Gospel of John. And then God would tell her, go and leave it in a restaurant, you know, it, on the table. Or leave it, um, can't it up against a door and knock on the door and walk away. And the person would come out and see it and begin and walk in and begin to read it. The Gospel of John. My favorite of all was this young couple, and now this is going to get really tough when I tell you this, but this one couple, I, I, I don't think that they, I, they can't be more than 26, 27 years old. Um, they were arrested with a house, uh, they, you know, they, they do major like busts and arrests, the Iranians do, to, to the Christians in Tehran, and they were in a, they were in a house church and they were arrested. Luckily, in the, the floor just above them, the grandmother was taking care of their young boy. And the young boy was only six months old. And um, the great thing was they were carried away. And this young man uh, was 72 days in prison for his faith, beaten 72, for 72 days. And on day 40, now, now he didn't know how long his wife, because they had his wife in a different location. But after 42 days, they told him that, you know, there's not just torture, but there's also emotional torture. And they told this young man, they said, your baby, we slit his throat or we cut his head off. I think they said, we cut your baby's head off and he's dead. And your wife, we raped her repeatedly and she's dead. Why would you consider, why, why will you continue to serve, to serve this God? God has no son. And he would not. And after 72 days, he was beaten so badly, they thought he was going to die. So they just threw him outside the prison. They figured, well, he'd just die. But he recovered, went home, and obviously his wife was there and his son, little son was there. And so he was reunited with his family. All you have to understand when people are telling you their testimony, it is so emotional. They begin to cry and weep. I cried all week long. And I felt so, so humbled by meeting people like this. And to make a long story short, this little boy is now like four or five years old. He's probably like four and a half years old, but he was so smart. And one of our main elder, elders uh, that went on the trip with us, his name is Greg Spencer. And Greg was sitting right next to me. And the little boy went up to Greg and began to quote scriptures. And of course, we needed the interpreter from Farsi to English and everything else. And the little boy started quoting, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He that comes to, he that come, no man can come to God the Father but by me. 
And then he would, and then, then the next verse, and I could see Brother Greg began, he, you have to understand, Brother Greg is a very stoic man, he's, a, he's an oil man, he's very smart, very intelligent man, very controlled by his emotions. And I could see Brother Greg starting to lose it. He began to start trembling and cry. And the little boy says, um, John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am, I, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me shall never die. And the little boy looked at, at Greg and said, do you believe this? <laughs> and at that, Brother Greg just began to, he just began to cry. It was so amazing to meet these people. I just wanted to share that with you. Last but not least, I want to talk about Farshid. Farshid is still serving a prison sentence in, in Tehran, in, the, in a prison. It's called Evan Prison in Tehran. Uh, he's been serving a, uh, this prison sentence. And he is now telling people, do not pray for my release. God has given me a, uh, a ministry in the prison. And he's able to look at the prison guards who beat him and tell them, I forgive you. I love you. He's ministering even to the prison guards who beat him. And um, that's Farshid. That's his heart. These people, when I met them, they would tell me, go, go back to the United States and tell them, tell the people in the United States, do not pray for us to be released. Do not pray for us, for them to release our, our persecution, but tell them to pray that we might glorify God even in our death. In the month of September, there was, um, there was a couple, and I'm not going to mention their names. I'm going to just mention R and N, and they are a couple from Damascus, Syria. And sometime in the near future, I'm hoping and praying to go, I believe in God, to go to Beirut to minister to the Syrian pastors. And if you know anything about what's going on in Syria, um, Christians are being beheaded in Syria by the Muslim Brotherhood. America, by the way, is on the wrong side. We're on the wrong side. We're actually helping the Muslim Brotherhood. We're helping Al-Qaeda. We're arming the wrong people. Anyways, um, these two people have invited us to go over. And when they were in September, just out of, the, just out of by mere chance, I'm surprised nobody else were, invited them to preach in their church. But I, heard, I went to a, a meeting with, you know, a combined meeting with all the pastors of Midland. And I saw them minister, these two from Damascus, Syria. And I went and inquired. I said, do they have anywhere to go preach tonight on Wednesday night? And the person told me no. And I, said, and I went to them personally. I invited them to come preach. So they came and preached in our church. And the woman told me that the, uh, the, the, the pastor's wife, she said that the Lord had given her a vision. And in the vision, the Lord had told her, the Lord Jesus had appeared to her and told her she must be strong. That he is going to give her and her family the privilege of being martyred for their faith. And she said, um, she said this floored everyone in our church back there in, in Midland, Texas. And she said, do not, once again, she said, do not pray this is not just the Iranians, but the Syrians said the same thing. Do not pray that we would be protected. Pray that we might glorify God in our death. And she said, I know these men will come in with masks on. They will be Muslims. They will come in. They will cut the heads off of our children. And then they will kill us. But we must be strong. This is a reality check, guys. I spent many years on the mission field about... If I were to combine it, about 10 years on the mission field in Colombia. Eight years completely just back to back to back. But overall, about 10 years of my life in Colombia. And I can tell you 
that the great persecution that hit Colombia sparked revival. And today we have revival in Colombia. The blood of the martyrs always sparks revival. Amen. Everywhere persecution takes place for Jesus, revival takes place. Persecution in Colombia, revival. Persecution in China, revival. Persecution in Iran, revival. Persecution in Syria and in Egypt. In Egypt, right now, they're being persecuted. Some are being thrown to the crocodiles for their faith in Jesus. Or crocodiles in the Nile. Persecution is the seed for revival. Let me, give, let me just conclude with this. This is a reality check. We are living in the end times. Persecution, I believe persecution is coming to America. We must count ourselves privileged to be alive for, for such a time as this. And we must see persecution for what it is. It's a blessing. It will help us. It will spark revival. It will shake the fence. Are you in or are you out? Are you going to be all the way in with Jesus? Come on now, talk to me. Amen. Amen. I know she's a, she's, a worship, uh, she's a worship guru up here, and she is challenging. You know, when she's dancing around up here, you can see the glory of God on her face. I was, telling, I was telling Kel and Melody today about um, there was this girl. I could not take my eyes off of this girl in Kayseri over there in, 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 in Turkey in this house church. I kid you not, in about the size of this platform, there was 180 people. Like, they were, like, packed in there like sardines. Many of them stood up, like, just scrunched up together. Nobody complained. There weren't enough seats. People sat on the floor, some of them. And I was, I was up against the wall, and the, before I got a chance to preach... I was watching this girl play the guitar and worship God. And she, she was a little fat little girl from, um, I think she was um, from, from Afghanistan. She had these fat little cheeks and she had split tooth in her mouth. And she had like a little, like you could tell her teeth were like literally, there was, wide, there was a wide gap there. But I saw the glory of God on her face and she sang. And you have to understand, some of these people, when they're singing, you know, they can't just sing loud, loud, loud. They're, you know, because the da it's dangerous. They're in a house church. They're doing something illegal. But this girl, oh, she sang for God in those little cheeks and the cry. I mean, she was crying. I could not take my eyes off of her. Such purity. Such love that she had for God. And then later on that evening, Brother Greg again got, got hit by the, you know, by emotion again. Her brother, who's from Afghanistan, we looked at him, we were like, we saw them sitting together, we thought, oh, are you guys um, husband and wife? And they're like, no, we're brother and sister. But this young man began to play the guitar, and boy, did he have talent. Oh, my goodness, he would just tear it up over here, and uh, the voice or whatever, the, you know, he would tear it up over here. This guy, he was, he was playing, and he made his own song to Jesus. He began to sing, sing that song. We couldn't understand it, but the, you know, our interpreter would lean over and tell us what the words of the song were. And once again, Brother Greg began to cry and began to shake. And I'm telling you, what a privilege. What a privilege. Amen. So America, revival is at our doorstep. And this is actually a blessing. It's fuel for us. It's the gasoline for the fires of revival. Are you ready to make a stand for Jesus? If the Iranians can do it, we can do it.
If push comes to shove, will you stand for Jesus? Will you go all in? Have you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? If not, you can call, you can call on him today and be saved. You've seen Ladan's testimony. You've heard the truth in, the, in the, all the brave testimonies of the Iranians, the Syrians, and the Colombians. And let me just say this because I feel led of God to just share this real quick. If you ever run into a Muslim, remember, it's the love of Jesus. The difference between Islam and faith in Jesus Christ is that Jesus is personal. And Jesus is loving. He's loving. He's kind. He's personal. The Muslims don't know God. They know God to be Allah. And Allah is rigid. He's cruel to women. I remember when I was in Iraq as a soldier over there in 2003. And we would be in our Humvees. And, or some of them, we actually use, sometimes we use the, um, the Land Rovers. We'd cut the tops off and call it Maximus Maximus II and Maximilius III or whatever. Anyways, we painted it up kind of like the desert. Anyways, we'd be riding along and you would see these men, these Muslim men, like pastors, and they have like a, like a, cone, like a white cone. They look weird. They have like cone head. And they walked around with these sticks and they walked around just like this. And they would walk over and see women and begin to just go over and begin to point to the woman and the woman would have to kind of do this and they would begin to whip her like unmercifully. They'd whip her in the back. They'd whip her in the rear end. And then they start whipping like her ankles and her, the backs of her legs for no apparent reason. And then they would walk around again. How'd you like to have a pastor like that? I kid you not. I asked, who are these dudes, these coneheads? And they said, those are the imams. Those are the Muslim mosque leaders. Yeah, great religion that is. Women are, you know, women, they say, oh, it's an attack on women. No, over there, in Islamic countries, that's an attack on women. That's an attack, not here. And you know what? What breaks people is the truth of the Bible. What breaks the, the Muslim from being, a, from being a Muslim and converts them to Christ is the New Testament in Farsi, the fact that they feel loved and valued, and the fact that Jesus is actually powerful to deliver them from sickness, disease, from sin. Many of these people that I met in, I would say half of the people that I met over there in Iran told me that they were drug addicts, alcoholics, and porn watchers. And they said, Jesus came into my heart and took all those desires away. Allah doesn't help anyone. Allah's never cast out a demon or raised the dead or healed the sick, but Jesus does. And when I, I remember just talking to these people and they would tell me that they were so bound by, so bound by alcohol and drugs and all these things, and they, they would say, I'm free. And you could see the joy on their faces. I'm free. And to meet these people, oh my goodness. What a blessing. I do pray for them because many of them are targeted. They do have a contract out on them. Now, I will say this also. Uh, probably was not a good idea. I don't know why they didn't plan it better than that. But there was, a, there was a time we were driving to three of these cities. 
and I'm not going to name the cities because, you know, it, it's over near the Iranian border, and, you know, these are, these are refugees. The Iranians are refugees in, uh, they're, they're um, yeah, religious refugees in Turkey. And our driver was a Muslim. We didn't know that he, we, I didn't know he was a Muslim, and B, A, I didn't know he was a Muslim, and B, I didn't, I didn't know that he could speak English. He understood everything we were saying. And finally, all of a sudden, this guy throws it in park. And he starts yelling at our, at our interpreter. You can see our interpreter, who's the pastor in Kaiser, he looks and goes, we must pray. He looked at all of us in the van and he goes, we must pray. And you can see him outside and this guy is just throwing a fit. And basically he came in, he basically came in, he said, we must pray, we must pray. And I said, what? And he said, he's listening to everything we say, he understands it, and we must pray that he forgets where he dropped us off because the house churches could be compromised. We would do what we do. We'd get off the van, we'd let him go down the street, and then we would go to where we were. But he knows the general area, this guy. So we were praying. We had to pray that God make him, like, erase his memory that he doesn't remember in these three cities where we were dropped off for these house churches. That's the reality of it, guys. Are you ready for revival? Will you stand for Jesus even in the face of persecution? Will you have that spiritual backbone to say, you're not taking my Bible away from me? And you're not going to tell me, you're not gonna, I'm not going to allow you to tell me that I am gonna re, I'm going to renounce my faith in Jesus. Amen. So you've seen Ladan's testimony, you've heard the truth, you've seen the, bla the brave testimonies of the Iranians, the Syrians, and the Colombians, and they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. What about you? Let me put you on the spot this evening. Are you with him? Do you believe in him? Where do you stand in terms of eternity? If you were to die tonight, are you ready to go home to be with the Lord? You know, I've been talking a lot with, um, with the Miles family over here. And one of the things that she said is that in heaven, love is the currency. There's nothing more important than love. And I would challenge you with this, church. If you love people, you will tell them about Jesus. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Jesus, do you, uh, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. Feed my sheep. What was he saying? Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. If you really do love God, you will share him with others. And as we sang that song, Jesus is at the center of it all. He is the center of it all. Amen. You know, in Midland, Texas, uh, we've actually had people come to our church now and say, I can't believe it. I heard you were preaching the cross. And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, no, it's refreshing. So few people are preaching the cross nowadays. I came in the church and you, and you challenged everyone to repent of your sins and to go all in with Jesus. And I, so I brought other people with me, and here they are. People are getting saved in our church. 
And I've heard the same here, too. People are getting born again. That's a good sign. You know, I have to brag on my, on my church in Texas. Sometimes it's like two hours later, like an hour and a half, two hours later, I have to flip the switches like, okay, guys, time to go home. Because everyone's so happy, and our church really gets along. And I watched yesterday. You all really genuinely love each other, don't you? And you've got a pastor who's a real pastor. Who's, you can approach him. And he'll be, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll joke around with you and, and be kind to you. That's a blessing. Amen. Amen. You know, a church is a family. It's a body of believers, but it's a family. And it's important that we're happy. It's important that we get along. And we genuinely like each other. One of the things that I saw over there in Turkey with the Iranians is how much honor and respect and love they had for each other. Because every, I remember one time we asked them, how many of you have seen Jesus? Like, Jesus has appeared to you. Every hand goes up. They all have seen him. How many of you have been beaten for your faith? Both hands go up. They know what it is. Some of them will show you where they were beaten. I pray that it never gets that, that far in America. But if it does, we need to be able to stand and have backbone and say, I love Jesus more than anything else. You know, the Iranians, I, I, you know, you have to understand the Iranians are smart people. Very well educated. Um, businessmen. I mean, had businesses. Everything was taken away in a moment because of their faith. Everything. And for them to follow Jesus means they're giving everything up to follow Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. If you're in this place this evening and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've heard this testimony tonight, you would say, Brother Bill, you're right. I want to make a stand for Jesus. If you're in this place and you want to open the door of your heart, Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. If you're in this place tonight, you don't know Jesus, but you do want to know him. And you've heard, you've heard him knock on the door of your heart. Right now, I want you to raise your hand. If you're in this place, amen. And you don't know him, but you want to know him tonight. You want him to come in to your life and be your Lord and Savior forever. Raise your hand one more time. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Well, if you raised your hand, or you should have raised your hand, I want you to meet me here at the front. I want to pray for you. Amen. I know I saw at least one hand. Or maybe you misunderstood the invitation. Amen. But I want to give an invitation to everyone to receive Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, now is the time to know him. Today is the day of salvation. And I always like to do that because we never know who, who really needs to make that decision, that stand for Jesus. So one more time, with all eyes closed, heads bowed, if you're in this place, you need Jesus. And you say, yes, I want to stand with Jesus. And you want to receive Jesus in your life. Or you want to come back to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. Amen.
Praise God. Well, if you raise your hand, I want you to come and meet me at the front. I want to shake your hand real quick. Amen. Praise God. Meet me at the front.